So the reading today is taken from Mark's Gospel, chapter 8, verses 22 to 38. And this can be found on page 1011 in the Pew Bibles and page 1618 in the large print Bibles. So starting to read in Mark, chapter 8, verses, verse 22. They came to Bethsaida, and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. When he had spat on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, Do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people. They looked like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Jesus sent him home saying, don't even go into the village. Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around um, Caesarea Philippi. On the way, he asked them, who do people say I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Peter answered, you are the Messiah. Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. He then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan, he said. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Then he called the crowd to him, along with his disciples, and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul. If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. This is the Gospel of the Lord.
Thank you, Gareth, for those lovely prayers and Rosemary for reading God's Word so clearly. Let us pray as we come to try and understand it. Lord God, we thank you that your Word is inspired by your Spirit, and so we pray that your Spirit will open our minds and hearts to your Word as you open it to us, that we may live for you, in the light of it, through Christ our Lord. Amen. A few weeks ago, Pam and I went to the Keswick Convention for the first time in our lives, and um, we drove back down the M6 and used the M6 toll, stopped at the service station on the M6 toll. And as I was walking along amid all the various things that there are there, there was a sort of big cabinet, and on the front of it, well, these words, everything you need to know. And I thought, wow, so I picked up a leaflet. Here it is, everything you need to know. The whole story, without the W. The whole story. It's a donut with a hole in it. And I looked at this and I thought, this is amazing. Everything you need to know, and yet it really told me nothing that I needed to know at all. That set me thinking, where do we find all that we need to know? Is it in the encyclopedias or Google? They can tell us a good deal. But actually, all that we need to know is here, in the Bible, God's inspired word. All scripture, all scripture is given by God and is profitable for us. This passage that Rosemary read to us, in a sense, tells us in a nutshell everything we need to know, what we really need to know, who Jesus is, what he's done for us, and how we are to live in the light of that. It's all there in this passage. And so as I thought about it, I thought, actually, what this passage is about is what it means to be a follower or a disciple of Jesus. And the first thing we want to know is, who is it that we're following? Sometimes we go on a cameo ramble, and so do some of you, and we want to know, oh, as we go on this walk, can we trust the leader? Does the leader know where he's going? Peter tells us who the leader is. You are the Messiah, he says. Now, Peter has gradually learned all this. It didn't all happen overnight. He's learned it from all that he heard, from all that he had seen in the life of Jesus as he accompanied him as one of his disciples. He was learning all the time. And so he heard great preaching, like on the Sermon on the Mount, or many of the parables, and some of them are here in Mark, and teaching about the Sabbath, and the parable of the sower, and so on. He had seen amazing things. He'd seen Jesus stilling the waters on Lake Galilee. He'd seen Jesus walking on the water and coming to them when they were disturbed and afraid. He'd seen Jesus feeding the 5,000 from five loaves and two fishes. 
He'd seen great acts of compassion and healing. Jesus healing the man with the withered hand in the temple. Jesus healing those who were deaf and dumb. He'd seen Jesus healing the man who was crippled, who was let down through the roof. He'd seen Jesus forgiving his sins. And here in this passage, he sees Jesus bringing sight to a blind man. So step by step, things had been building up in Peter's mind and his understanding. And so when Jesus says, who do you say that I am? He says, you are the Messiah. Peter and his disciples had been on a journey of learning and of discovery, of realization, culminating in this recognition. The Messiah, simply the Hebrew word for the anointed one, the same as in Greek, Christos, anointed one. You are the anointed one. Who were the anointed ones? In the Old Testament, there are three groups of people who were anointed with oil for their work, for what they were expected to do. The prophets were anointed, the priests, and the kings. And in Jesus, we see all three of these, prophet, priest, and king, as Charles Wesley puts it in one of his hymns. A prophet who was anointed to speak the word of God out, a priest who was anointed to offer the sacrifice that he offered, and the king, because he was born a king, and he said at the end of his earthly life, all authority is given to me in heaven and in earth, and we know that he is the king of kings and lord of lords. So he's prophet, priest, and king. There's three sermons there. I've given you that in a microcosm. Peter had learned all this from a young age, you know. He was steeped in the scriptures, as the Jewish boys were, and girls, they were taught the scriptures. And he knew from the Psalms and from many Old Testament scriptures that the day was coming when a special person would come, the Messiah, the Anointed One would come. And particularly in Isaiah, described as the Lord's servant, a number of chapters in Isaiah that point forward to the coming of the servant of the Lord. And all that learning comes to fruition in this declaration, you are the Messiah. Amazing. And yet, you know, amazing as that was, as soon as Jesus goes on to describe what's going to happen to him, that he's going to suffer, that he's going to be rejected, that he's going to be killed and rise again, as soon as Jesus says that, Peter says, no, no, no. That's not what we're expecting. We're expecting someone to come and liberate us from the yoke of the Romans or something like that. He can't stand this idea that Jesus, this anointed one, should be killed and rejected. And so Jesus rebukes him as if he is satanic opposition. You see, Peter has come a long way in his learning but he's still got a long way to go. And so the first point I want to make, I'm going to give you two words this morning to take with you through this week. The first thing I want to mention to you, the first word I want to give you about being a disciple is learning, learning. Gee, Peter had learned a lot, but he still had a lot to learn. We learn who Jesus is. You've done that? 
but there's always more. About 36 years ago now, I was in charge of further education in the county of Surrey, and one of my responsibilities was adult education. We were trying to encourage people to um, go to adult education classes, to benefit from all the things that are on offer, and so we had a great campaign with posters and leaflets and bookmarks, I don't know what else there was, and we called it, because it's the time of the Carry On films, and I invented this little slogan, Carry On Learning is what we called it. And you know, that's true for the Christian life. We're never too old to learn. Carry on learning. Peter did. At Pentecost, not many weeks later than what's described here, some weeks later, perhaps maybe a year or so, but anyway, at Pentecost, he says, actually, when Jesus died and rose again, it was all part of God's plan. He'd learnt something. He preached that, and he preached that in other sermons too. And then, in his mature years, 30 years later, he wrote two letters. We might well have written more, but there are two that we've got in the Bible. Listen to what he says as he was an older man. Christ suffered for you. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. You see, he quotes Isaiah 53. He's learnt how that fits. You were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. And in that same letter he writes this. He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So do you see what's happened? It's not just that he's preaching the facts of the death and resurrection of Jesus, which he tended to do in the earlier days. He's moved on as he's reflected on the death and resurrection of Jesus. He's come to yet more understanding of its meaning. Do you see that? It's not just that Jesus died, but he bore our sins in his body on the tree that he might bring us to God. And it's not just that he rose again, but he has brought us through a new birth into a living hope. So he says we share the new resurrection life of Jesus. So he's come to further understanding. He's gone on learning through his life. If you learned more and more as you've gone on in the Christian life about Jesus, who he is, and what he has done, and the amazing nature of his grace and love, amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, shouldst die for me? Tis mystery all, the immortal dies. We never understand that. No matter how long we go on living and learning, we do not fully understand it. And yet we have a growing understanding as we learn as a disciple of all that Jesus has done for us and what he wants from us. I may like to pause, let's just pause for a moment and in the quietness just reflect over oh, this past week or this past year, what have you learned about being a disciple?
trust that as you read your Bibles every day and as you pray each day, which I hope you do, that you do listen to what God is saying, what the Holy Spirit wants to bring to you, that we might go on learning more and more of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ and of the ministry of the Holy Spirit and of the wonder of God's sovereignty and providence over our lives. That's the first word then, being a disciple is about learning. Second word is this, living. Being a disciple is not just about learning, it is about living that out. And Jesus tells us about this in the passage that uh, Rosemary read to us. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their own soul? Jesus here takes us to the very heart of what it means to be a disciple or a follower of Jesus. He talks about, in previous verses, about his own pathway, as we've thought already, or his own pathway of suffering and rejection and of death and resurrection. And that is something, he, the first time he's done that here, and he does that two more times in Mark's Gospel. And are we to follow all of that? He denied himself, he gave his all, he suffered and died. Why? For you and for me, out of love for us, for our salvation and our deliverance from the penalty of sin, to bring us to God as forgiven sinners and to give us the hope of glory. It was for the joy that was set before him that he endured the cross. What was that joy? It was the joy of knowing that God would be faithful in raising him up and that God would bring to him a whole company of the redeemed people to be part, his bride, part of his family. Now, how do we follow all of that? Denying ourselves? It's all radical discipleship, isn't it? In this me generation, which has been so prevalent in recent times, but it's characteristic of all times, really, it is countercultural to say we're going to be unselfish. And we so often fail to do it, you know. Selfishness keeps kind of raising up its ugly head in our lives, doesn't it? And to take up our cross, which might well be for us a pathway of suffering, either our own or the suffering of those whom we know and love, which we then share. It's a tough saying, isn't it? And yet, in it all, Jesus is walking with us because he has journeyed this pathway already. He knows what it's like. So we go back to our cameo ramble, shall we? There's Alan Mansfield leading it. And yeah, we trust him. Why? Why do we trust him? Because that week, 
almost certainly, or sometime rather, he's walked that walk. He's followed that pathway. We know he's gone before. That's right, Alan, isn't it? You've walked it. And that's what a good leader does. They walk the pathway and we follow. And so, when we're on that walk, at some points, Alan might say to us, it's a bit tough here, but don't worry, I've done it, you can do it, and we'll come through and complete the, the walk, the journey. You know, the older we get, the more we may well experience suffering of different kinds, of mind, body, and spirit, in ourselves and in others, through ill health and all sorts of things. But we remember that Jesus has been before. He has experienced it already. And so he calls us to the reality of life and its possible suffering, to take up our cross, whatever it is. And it may be foregoing a career opportunity. It may be redundancy. It may be issues in relationships, in work or in family. Maybe illness or frailty or loneliness. But as we put Christ first, deny ourselves, as we live for him, we can be assured of his love and his grace and his presence with us. Whatever our experience might be, when we lose our life for him, we gain it, our true selves, the life that is abundant, the life that is full, as he promised, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full, and life that is eternal, of a new quality, not just goes on forever, which it does, but of a new quality, because we're walking in the hand of God who holds us. And so I trust that as you read your Bibles day by day and in prayer, as you pray to God, as you talk with him, as you listen, and as you walk with him and with one another, and as you encourage one another in small groups, life groups or other small groups, that you'll be learning and living, encouraged in both, learning and living. We say, don't we, live and learn? We learn and live. Here in a nutshell, we do have the whole story, going back to my leaflet, everything you need to know, the whole story. Jesus the Messiah, who died, he suffered, he died, he rose again. And we're to lose our lives too, in order to gain the life that is eternal, and to save our souls. And as disciples, this is a challenge to us, it is an encouragement to us to carry on learning, and to live for and with Jesus. As Timothy Dudley Smith puts it so amazingly in that one liner in one of his hymns, self on the cross and Christ upon the throne. And do you know many of you are doing that? I know many of you are doing this and living out that life. And I just want to encourage this morning, keep going. Learning and living. My final word is not mine, it's our friend, the Apostle Peter. He wrote two letters, you remember I mentioned, and in the second one, 
the very last verse, the last recorded words that he wrote, this is what he says. Grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Grow in grace in living, grow in knowledge in learning. Right? Just read it again. Grow in grace. This is discipleship. Grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and forever. Amen. The words of Peter.